0: Hi, my name is Jana Metzger. Welcome to The Gospel House. Our mission here at The Gospel House is to show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. That in the gospel, we can find all of our deepest needs met as the entire church responds to and applies the implications of the gospel. We would love to show it with you. Check out our website, www.thegospel.house, where you can learn more about us, find out how to connect with us, ask questions, see when and where our next meeting is, and give to help advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ.
1: Today, we are in week five of our gifted sermon series, and today we are actually jumping out. We have been in the book of Ephesians. We've covered the first four chapters of the book of Ephesians, but today we're actually going to jump out of Ephesians uh, for a moment, and we're going to land in the book of Galatians, uh, and there's a reason for this. We're on this uh, Christians love lists, right? That's why when we say that we're in a sermon series called Gifted, whether we want to admit it or not, those of us who have been in the church world for a while, we assume we're going to talk about a list, right? We're going to talk about the First Corinthians. List, the First Corinthians 12 list of what the gifts are to the church. The Ephesians 4 list of what the, the gifts are to the church. Even the Galatians 5 list of what the fruit of the Spirit is. Because we love lists. Why do we love lists? Because it's so easy when we have lists in our lives, when we have lists in our Christianity, to fall into legalism. Right? Come on, don't pretend I'm the only one. It's rule following. So we look at these lists and we say, okay, here it is. Galatians 5, Jesus gave us a checklist. I can go through and I can check the fruit of the Spirit off and make sure I'm hitting each one. And if I'm not, I'm not living up to the mark. But if I am, look out, buddy, I'm better than you. Because that's what legalism leads us to, right? Superiority. When we're hitting, it's, it's either superiority or inferiority. There's no in-between. When we're hitting all the marks, we feel superior from everybody else. When we're not hitting all the marks, we feel inferior to everyone else. But it's all derived off of performance. But the gospel says no. The gospel says that's not how we live. And so, if you're walking out the implications of the gospel, when you see a list in the Bible, you don't think, here's a list that I have to perform to, right? But since we love lists... We'll hit another list for you today. And the reason we do so, so last week we talked about Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. And we talked about what commonly gets called the fivefold ministry, right? We switch that here at the Gospel House. We do not involve ourselves in foolish controversies. So we're not going to call it the fivefold ministry. We're just going to call it the Holy Spirit's ministry. I apologize if you love the fivefold ministry and you're deeply offended by that. But I don't really care because at the end of the day, God doesn't care how many folds are in the ministry right? What he cares about is that the ministry is his. And if we're walking by the Spirit, the ministry will be his, right? It doesn't matter what you've been called to. If you've been called to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, preacher, teacher, it doesn't matter what you've been called to. It matters that you're walking by the Spirit, that you're walking in step with the Spirit. And if you are, he's going to lead you into that calling, right? If you're walking with him, he's going to walk you right where you need to go, right? So we're not going to worry about that. Immediately after this, though, in Ephesians 4, Paul jumps into something in my Bible, the NASB 95. In my Bible, it says, the Christian walk. That's what Paul follows up here at the end of Ephesians 4. And it is interesting, isn't it interesting that Paul writes all these letters and they all go together? Isn't that fun? It'd be deeply disturbing if they all contradicted each other. But they don't, because what Paul writes about at the end of Ephesians 4 is, is exactly what Paul writes to the church in Galatia about in Galatians 5. It is the exact same thing. We can call it the Christian walk, or we can call it walking by the Spirit. Because the two go hand in hand, right? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to burst some bubbles here, which shouldn't be, but they are. If you are not walking by the Spirit, you cannot call yourself a Christian. If you are not walking by the Spirit, you are not a Christian. Black and white. I will allow no gray areas on that. To be called a disciple of Jesus Christ, we've got to walk by the Spirit. We have to. We have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. Guys, that should be a non-negotiable of the faith. And we'll get there, but today it's become, it's not. It's not non, it's it's, it's negotiable, right? It's not non-negotiable. Cancels each other out. It's negotiable, right? We can do our best. If I just do my best, God's going to be proud of me. Pat me on the head. Good job, Jeremy, you did it. But if it's outside of the spirit, what, we talked about that passage. Remember that passage from Isaiah? Forgive me because I don't remember what the exact reference is. But Isaiah, where it says, our righteous deeds have become like filthy rags, right? Our righteous deeds. But guys, in the church today, we have Christians walking around saying, my righteous deeds aren't filthy rags. God's going to honor those righteous deeds, not if they're not done in the spirit. Because you can do the best things in the world. You can serve your heart out and feed a billion hungry people. But if that is not what God has told you to do, it's outside of the Spirit and it's filthy rags to Him. We've got to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. And I am not going to bend on this. The church today should not be bending on this. But we do. So today, let's talk about it. We walk by the Spirit. It's how we as Christians walk. It's how we as disciples of Jesus Christ walk. So we're going to look at three things today. There are two ways to walk, and there are only two ways to walk. Some of you can probably write that point in the sermon already if you've been here a couple weeks. You've probably got that figured out, but I'm going to hit you with it anyway because it's fun. Along with those two ways to walk, there's two types of fruit, and then, like a nice gift basket, Everybody loves a fruit gift basket, right? You those little edible baskets that you get with all the fruit in them. There is a gift within the fruit that we see in this fruit of the Spirit. So let's jump in. Two ways to walk. Like I said, we've heard this before. I feel like I preach this every week, and guess what? I'm going to keep preaching it because we need to get this right. Actually, this week, the Holy Spirit kind of gave me a little left hook that I did not see coming, And it was pretty cool. So I hope you think it's cool too. Even if you don't, I don't care. I thought it was cool. Paul says this in Galatians 5.13. For we, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You and I have been set free. Can I get an amen? That's good, right? I wonder how many churches preached that last weekend. Right? July 3rd, 4th of July, freedom, right? You guys connecting those dots. We love freedom in the United States, don't we? I would say that freedom is probably the number one in the United States, in our culture. But here's the problem. In the United States, in this cultural moment that we're in, we misunderstand what freedom really is. And ladies and gentlemen, as culture has started to misunderstand freedom, the church has jumped right in there with her. And the church misunderstands freedom. Because there are different kinds of freedom. And the freedom that Jesus Christ offers us is not the freedom that the world offers. See, our culture loves absolute freedom. And because of that, the church has jumped in to absolute freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, I have seen this. I have seen a prominent pastor deride someone because they have guardrails set up within their marriage. They put, they put special blockers on their cell phone that only their wife has the passcode to because they don't want the temptation of looking at things they shouldn't be looking at at on their cell phone. And I I sat there and listened to a pastor say, well, I guess that's okay for you to have, but eventually Jesus has called you to freedom, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed, and so you should be able to walk without those. But that's the lie of absolute freedom. Absolute freedom means that there are absolutely no restraints. No boundaries, no guardrails. You throw off every chain that binds. And here's the thing. We know that there's no such thing. We know this, but we don't apply it to the right things. Right? You've all heard this saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Right? And we know this. Because if I say, I want I want that summer bod, you know? I want, I want to show up to the pool, and I want a ripped six-pack. You know, I want everybody to see, oh, yeah, right? I am free to pursue that. But if I eat two dozen donuts every morning before I head out to that pool, I can be as free as I want to pursue that six-pack. It ain't happening, right? We know this. I have the freedom to go out and run a marathon tomorrow. I can do it, I won't, I'll die, because I haven't trained for it. We know this. See, freedom is not the the getting rid of, the tossing out of all restrictions. Freedom is the application of the right restrictions to get the desired result but we don't understand this. And that's why when we read passages in the New Testament, guys, over and over again, the New Testament, do you know what it calls you as a follower of Jesus? It doesn't call you a free-to-do-whatever-you-want disciple. It calls you a slave to Christ. It calls you a slave to righteousness, to where I would ask my pastor friend, hold on now, you should probably object to Paul, because guess what? Slavery isn't freedom, right? Pastor Jeremy didn't preach it. Paul did. It's in the Word of God. We throw off the chains of addiction and slavery and sin, but we put on a different set of restraints. We are free to follow Jesus Christ and walk in the Spirit because that's what's going to get us to heaven. You know, here's, here's the great news you know, for people who want to call Christians bigots and haters and, you know, all that stuff, guess what? If you don't want to put on those restraints, if you don't want to be a slave to righteousness, then don't do it. Pick a different desired result. You want to have fun and live it up on earth as long as you can? Go for it. Do it. I heard somebody say this. This isn't me. I don't remember who said it, but for those who want to do that, who want to pursue those things, then guess what? This right here, what you're living right now is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. But for the Christian, disciple, you put those chains of righteousness on, you become a slave to Jesus Christ, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. Now you got to ask yourself, do you want, that wasn't mine, please don't put that all over anything and say that was me. It wasn't me, I didn't say that, I just don't remember who did. But here's the thing, you got to ask yourself, Do you want this to be as good as it gets? Because I don't. The best moment that I have had here on this earth, you know, that I would put on my Hall of Fame as my best days of my life, when I got married, when my kids were born, all those things, those best moments, guys, they're not even going to touch Jesus. They're not even going to touch heaven when I see Jesus face to face. Not even close. So you've got to ask yourself, what is your desired result? because we've got to walk that way. We cannot use this freedom that Jesus has given us to run after the ways of the flesh. Yet that's what we do. That's what the church does. That's what this American Christian does over and over again. Jesus has set us free, and we use that freedom to run after the things of the world. Jesus has set you free so that you can get that promotion in your job. Jesus has set you free so that you can get that prosperity gospel going in your life. And we run after the ways of the flesh. But Jesus set you free so that you can be a slave to righteousness, so that you can be a slave to him, obedient to him in everything, in every part of life, and that you can serve others. He set you free so you can love others the way you want to be loved. It's the golden rule, right? Then why aren't we doing it? Paul continues and says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There are two ways to walk and only two ways to walk. The Bible makes this clear so many times, not just in Galatians 5. The first way to walk, man's way. You see it there? The flesh? That's the first way to walk. And again, I will hit on this again and again and again until we get it, church. When we talk about the flesh, I am not talking about awful sins. I am not talking about the list of seven deadly sins that everybody knows they're not supposed to do. That is not what the Bible means when it says the flesh. The Bible means anything that is not God's way. So let me ask you, there are two ways to walk. What are those two ways? Man's way and God's way. Have you heard that before? Right? It's every week. It's just the punches just keep coming, right? We got you on the ropes. The Holy Spirit's just going to keep swinging until you just get down on the mat and stay down. Sometimes I think that's how he needs to treat me. That self in me just needs to stay down. But those are the only two ways to walk. Man's way and God's way. And man's way is not awful sins. Guys, it it wouldn't be that big a deal if it it was just the horrible big sins, right? Because we know to avoid those things, right? If walking in man's way was just adultery, no problem. I just won't commit adultery. Got it. Check, move on. But it's not. Man's way could be degrees of difference from God's way. Man's way could be one step that you refuse to take in obedience. You could get 99 other steps right but there's that one thing God's asking you to do, and you say, I'm sorry, Jesus, that's the one thing I can't do, then it's man's way. Guys, this this isn't going to be popular. But our God is an all-or-nothing God. If you want to walk in obedience to Him, it's all-or-nothing. It is God's way or it's man's way. Walking in man's way, guys, it could be something as simple, and I, I apologize to you right now, I am guilty of this. As I have led this church, I am guilty of this. Thankful for grace that God covers it. But it's times when I rush into decisions for the gospel house and I forget to pray before I make that decision, right? I rush in and then think, oh, shoot, Jesus, I just balanced our budget and I probably should have prayed before I did that. But that's the problem. We are so, do you see why Paul's saying that these are in opposition to one another? The flesh is so strong because guys, our culture has ingrained us with this independence, right? With this freedom. I don't need somebody standing, I don't need some cosmic guy standing over my shoulder telling me what to do every point, right? Over and over again, that's what we get. But we can't walk that way. If we are going to walk by the Spirit, it's got to be the Spirit's way all the way. And we've got to get rid of man's way. And notice what it says. It says, walk by the Spirit. Now, some translations will give some different variances in this, but let me put on my English nerd hat for a little bit and teach you here. The Greek word that's used for Spirit, the word that's used there makes Spirit an indirect object. Okay, which means that the Holy Spirit in this sentence, the manner in which you walk, is fueled by the Spirit. So I like this translation, and not because Jeremy likes it, flesh Jeremy actually hates it, but I like this, this translation. I don't like the translations that says walk in the Spirit. I, there's, there's good in that, I'm not saying it's all bad, throw it all out, but I like walk by the Spirit. Because it gets to the core of what we need. Some of you have heard me preach on this before, but one of the Bible verses that absolutely, it just, it just flipped me. It's like when you hit those Bible verses and they just flip a switch and it's like, nothing will ever be the same from this point on. But in John fifteen five, 5, that, that for me is going to, that's a life-changing verse that I will always go back to. There was a moment when I read that. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I read that one day years ago and the Holy Spirit grabbed me and he said, Jeremy, do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? Or do you believe that this is just flowery symbolism? Because there's a lot of symbolism in that passage in John 15. I don't think that's one of them. Because it doesn't fit with any of the other symbolism that Jesus uses. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. See, there's this this old religion out there that believes that we divide the physical from the spiritual. Spiritual good, physical bad. And so you go through your entire life trying to throw off chains of of the physical. That's not Christianity. Christianity. Because everywhere in the Bible, everywhere in the word of God, God says to love him with what? All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everywhere when God responds to us, he responds to us holistically, to the whole person, right? He doesn't just come and preach us a sermon every time we're struggling, right? He comes to us and he responds to us in every facet of our lives, So when we look at this, stop making it a spiritual command. Because so many times when we look at this command from Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. I know it, Jesus. I can do nothing spiritual without you. That's not what he said. I I know, Jesus, I can't do any of those cool, miraculous things like feeding the 5,000 or healing people or making dead people raise. I can't do any of that without you. I know. That's not what he said. If he said it, do you believe it? If Jesus Christ said it, do you believe it? Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. How literal are you willing to take that statement? Because I want to take it very literally. And when I look at this command from Paul, I see the same thing. Walk by the Spirit, outside of the Holy Spirit's power, I am incapable of walking the Christian walk. And guys, there's a reason. What, what, notice what Paul doesn't say, right? He doesn't say sprint marathons by the Spirit. He doesn't say do hard things by the Spirit. He picks the most basic. What Y'all, y'all have been walking since you were one years old, right? Maybe a few variances within, some earlier, some later but everybody knows how to walk, right? It's a fairly basic human form of transportation. And Paul is telling us that even that most basic thing, you've got to be dependent upon the Spirit. You have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Now look, I'm going to be honest with you all. There are Christians out there who will hear this message and will say, that's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. Pastor Jeremy, you took it too far. God has given me an intellect. God has given me abilities. You guys, I, and I know, I know one of them for sure because I've heard him preach sermons on it. My hero, Pastor Tim Keller. You guys know how much I love Keller. I've heard him preach the opposite of this. And so I took all of his CDs and I put them in a trash can and I burned them. No, I didn't do that. Because he's my brother in Christ. I can I can listen. We can disagree, right? I don't have to hate him. But, but look, I've heard him preach this. That we serve a God who expects us to do our best. And then he's going to step in and fill in the cracks where we don't live up to his standard. I don't buy it. When I read this command from Paul in Galatians 5, to walk by the Spirit, when I look at Jesus' command to all of his disciples, that apart from me you can do nothing, I am going to take that as literal as I can. Because guys, look, how many of you want to admit this with me? I've tried to do it my way. Have any of you tried to do it your way? And I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about horrible, grievous sin. I tried to do it my way, and it led to addiction, and I was shooting up it. No, I've tried to do it my way, and I've screwed it all up. Not into horrible sin, but in less than perfect. But man, guys, I, I, Jan and I have been talking about this. There's a lot of books about out there about discipling your kids right now, right? And, and, and tons of information out there about discipling your kids. And Jan and I were talking about that this week. Some of the best discipling moments that I've had with my kids, I've completely screwed up into. Guys, they are complete mistakes that I absolutely butchered. And God turned them into these incredible things. I told you guys this a couple weeks ago, but but Promise, the other night she was praying over Gideon, and she prayed the exact prayer I pray over her every night. I I told you guys what that prayer was a couple weeks ago, but when you hear that, it's like, whoa. Whoa. Jesus, I didn't even know what I was doing all these nights. And that happened? Like, holy cow. But it's not because I was, you know, sitting there intentionally deciding how to disciple my kids. I'm an idiot in whose weakness God moved, and my kids aren't completely screwed up. It's a miracle, huh? But guys, that's what happens when we walk by the Spirit. We say, look, I'm not going to disciple my kids man's way. I'm not going to put this discipleship program together for my kids. I'm going to walk and live by the Spirit. And I'm going to trust that the Spirit is going to disciple them. Now look, I am not saying that you don't give God your best. That's not what I'm preaching up here. You know, God gave us intellect. Well, forget all that. Throw all your intellect out the door and just do crazy stuff and God's going to be, no, don't do that. Use the intellect God has given you, but bathe everything in prayer. Be willing to go off course from your intellect so that he can move. If it doesn't make sense to you, don't shut the door. Because if that's what God's telling you to do, then that's what he wants you to do. But we've got to walk by the Spirit. We've got to stay plugged into Jesus, the true vine, the Spirit at all times. And we believe that if we do that, that God will bear his fruit. Because here's the scary thing. There are two ways to walk, but there are also two types of fruit. It makes sense, right? If there are two ways to walk, that there would be two types of fruit. One walk, bears one kind of fruit. The other walk bears a completely different kind of fruit. And this is where the Holy Spirit really got me as I was putting this together. We've been preaching this for a long time, right? You'd think Pastor Jeremy, oh, he's got it all together. He knows how all these sermons are going to fit. Nope. Because, man, the Holy Spirit rocked me with this one. It was like, oh, I see it now. This is why this is so important. Every time you walk, you plant seeds. Every time you walk. So if you walk man's way, guess what kind of seeds you plant? Man's seeds. But if you walk the Spirit's way, guess what kind of seeds you plant? The Spirit's seeds. This is why when I say we talk about the way of the flesh, man's way, it's not always bad things, right? It's not like the only way of man is murder and death and destruction. That's not what it means. It means any way that's not God's. And we look at that and we're like, "Well, boy, that's not that's not that big a deal." So Pastor Jeremy, I went to a leadership summit and I'm applying some leadership principles to my Christian walk. What's what's wrong with that? Right? The problem is that it's man's way and that seed is tiny and that seed doesn't look bad but when you put a seed in the ground and you water it and you keep watering it and you keep watering it and it starts to grow, it grows fruit. Because look, we look at this passage, Galatians five nineteen to twenty one. Paul says, "Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not will not inherit the kingdom of God." Now, how many of you are like this when you come across lists like these? You always focus on the one you don't struggle with, right? It's like, oh, let's see. All right, Jeremy, what'd you get from Galatians 5, 19 to 21? Sorcery's bad. (laughs) Yeah, man. Anybody who practices sorcery, the kingdom of heaven is not theirs. Whew, glad I dodged that bullet, right? We all do that. Don't pretend. You do it too. But here's the thing. We look at this. And we say, ah, yeah, yep, that's what walking man's way looks like. That's walking man's way. I don't do that. I don't walk man's way. False. Put Dwight Schrute. False. This is the fruit of walking man's way. You know, C.S. Lewis has this really great quote. Uh, I can't remember what book it's from, but, he, you know, where he talks about sin. And he says, you know, we, we all have sin in our lives, And when you leave that sin unchecked, it grows. It just grows and grows and grows. So when we look at somebody's sin and say, well, yeah, that's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. But he says, if we leave that to grow unchecked for all of eternity, think how large that sin is going to be. This is the problem with fruit, y'all, is that we plant these seeds when we walk man's way. And the seeds that we plant in the flesh are only capable of growing this kind of fruit. Did you hear that? The seeds that we plant when we walk man's way are only capable of growing this kind of fruit. So let me tell you, actually let me ask you, look at the American church today. Man alive, we have raised up leaders like never before. We have brought in every expert of every Fortune 500 company that's ever done anything in the world. We've had them stand up in front of Christian leaders and tell them how to do church. It's not spiritual advice, is it? It's man's advice. And as we have planted the church man's way, what do you see? Look at the American church and what do you see? This list. Are we more united now since we've put these Uber leaders in place who know everything Fortune 500 companies know? Yet look, and they say the right stuff, right? Well, God takes the wealth of the wicked and stores it up for the righteous. We've got our Bible verses we can all take out of context. But but guys, this is so dead serious. Because the American church is in trouble. Now listen to me, listen to me. The American church is in trouble, not the church. The church is not in trouble. God's got the church. But y'all, if the American church doesn't wake up, God's going to deliver this world through somebody else. And I don't think we want that, do we? I mean, we're here building up the American church. We're here helping the American church, part of that body. Don't you want the body to be healthy? Then we've got to stop doing the things that are making her unhealthy. And that's planting seeds man's way. We keep planting these seeds, and then we look at this forest of rotten fruit that we have. Well, what the heck? How did this happen? It's right there. Paul says it. We've been more fierce about applying man's way than we have God's. We do church according to Fortune 500 instead of this book. The church must get back to doing things biblically. But the problem is that means throwing out personalities. It means that that pastors probably aren't going to become millionaires. It means you're not going to be the coolest trending guy on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Right? But we've got to get back to doing it God's way because when we do, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the great thing, bringing two analogies together here. It's the same analogy, but when Jesus calls himself the true vine, and us, the branches. Let's put on our biology hats. Branches don't sit there and try to bear fruit, right? A branch off of an apple tree doesn't sit there and. Uh, got an apple for you. We don't do that, right? It's a byproduct of what? Of trying hard? Nah. It's a byproduct of abiding in the true vine. How do you produce the fruit of the Spirit? You abide with Him. You dwell closer to Him. You draw closer to Him, right? You guys have heard me say this before. I stole it from somebody else. It's not work harder. It is never work harder in the gospel. It is always draw closer. And when we draw closer, this is what we get. Which means when Pastor Jeremy's driving down Route 25 with construction and somebody pulls out in front of me and decides that, oh, there's construction, I'm going to go 25 all the way from 582 to Bowling Green. Guess what I don't pray? I do not pray. Listen to this. I do not pray, God, give me patience. God, give me patience with this individual. I don't have to pray that. Do you know why, Christian, you don't have to pray that? Because the fruit of the Spirit is way more than just patience. He has given you so much more than just patience. I say, Jesus, take the wheel, and then I push the accelerator down and smack. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But I can pray for more Holy Spirit. And when I get more Holy Spirit, when I say, God, help me to abide in you right now, guess what fruit starts to come up? Guess what fruit starts to bear itself in my life? Not because I'm trying, but because I'm drawing closer. And in drawing closer, in giving the Holy Spirit control in that moment, he bears his fruit. Because here's the thing. There's a sneaky little gift that's hidden inside of this Holy Spirit fruit basket. God gives you this Holy Spirit fruit basket, and there's a gift that's hidden in there. He's got it. It's buried underneath all of the other fruit. I'm just kidding. It's not. I've talked about this before. Uh, Maybe you've heard me say this before, but there's something interesting that happens here in the Greek. We don't get it in English because in English, when I have a big basket of apples, I say, here, have some fruit. And when I have one apple, I say, here, have some fruit. In the English language, fruit is both singular and plural. In the Greek, it is not. And you know what Paul says here? Paul does not say, but the fruits of the Spirit are, and then go through this list. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen, this is so sneaky for pastors. I get it because it breaks into a sermon series so easily. And you can make your nice, convenient sermon series where you preach on love this week, and then joy this week, and then peace this week. And it's really nice, because it's divided up for you. writes itself, really, right? But guys, that's not the teaching here. And look, I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. Because here is the thing. Every single one of these lists here, all of these are characteristics of the singular fruit that is born in your life as you walk by the Spirit. Do you know why? Because every single one of these is the character of God himself. What is the gift that's hidden in the fruit of the Spirit? God himself. God is the gift. We talked about this the first three chapters of Ephesians, right? God himself is the gift. And here it is in the fruit of the Spirit. So we double down. I don't have to sit there all day long and pray for more joy. Look, is it wrong to pray for joy? I don't think so. But guys, if you pray for just more Holy Spirit, He is going to bear all of these things in your life, not just one. So can I ask you, why settle for joy when you can have joy and and everything else too? Right? Why settle for self-control? Because that's a thing, again, like this one, you know, with the old list, with the bad list, we look at the one we don't struggle with, and we name that one. With this one, we look at the stuff we do good, right? Oh, yeah, I got faithfulness up the wazoo. That's the the good one there. But I have no self-control. Man, I'll forgive everybody and their brother, but it's because I have absolutely no self-control in my own walk with Jesus. But if you're walking by the Spirit, that's not an option. Because you get it all. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead you into goodness at the expense of self-control. He's not going to lead you into peace and patience in the expense of joy, right? And we we, we we see this in the New Testament, right? Because and lots of us think that. Because what, in order for me to grow in patience, I need things that are going to test my patience, right? That's not going to bring me joy. I don't want to sit behind that driver going 25, down 25. That's not going to make me happy. But when it's in the Spirit, it does. Look what happened to Paul when he's suffering in prison. Right? What does he do? Singing hymns at the top of his lung. Are you kidding me? Who does that? The disciples, they get beat within, you know, an inch of their lives, receive the 39 or whatever lashes and sent on their way. What are they doing? Clapping their hands, Guys, praise Jesus. We just got the snot kicked out of us because we were considered worthy to suffer like Jesus did. There's joy in the midst of these insane things. Do you see why the Spirit's walk is not the world's walk? I'm not walking like that. If I'm walking in the power of Jeremy Allen Metzger, there's not a chance. I'm going to sit there and, oh, Jesus, why would you send me through such a thing? Why do I have to get beat? But that's not what they did, because the disciples actually walked by the Spirit. Now it's your turn. Now it's my turn. The gift in all of this is God himself. When we walk by the Spirit, we get all of God this is probably the worst deal in the history of the cosmos. It's good for us. But when you look at a deal at just value, this is the worst deal ever made. Because God says to you right now, I will give you all of me. Jesus Christ himself, y'all, says, look at the cross. You see that cross? I prove to you that I will hold nothing back to give you all of me. To give you every single bit of who I am. I give it all to you. But in return, I want all of you. Now come on, somebody. I know we all put on our makeup, girls, guys, don't but I know we all put on our Sunday best you know I hide behind my tie and dress shirt and all that stuff and I show up on Sunday morning we all pretend like we don't have a care in the world that's what culture's taught us to do but ladies and gentlemen you know your skeletons better than anyone else not true God knows your skeletons better and he still made this deal God knows the absolute worst about you. Before you even did it, God knew the worst about you. I heard a pastor named Paul Washer say, and he justified you with eyes wide open. He saw the worst about you, and he loved you anyway. He saw the worst inside of you, those monsters that you can't control, and he said, I will give my life for that. I will give you all of me if you will just give me all of you. Why are we holding back? Why are we convinced that there's something in this broken man that is worth me holding on to? Because I promise you that Jesus is so much sweeter than anything you will ever find in this world can I invite you this morning to taste and see? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest gift. And you have offered all of yourself to us. Jesus, you have paid the ultimate price the death of the Son of God himself to set us free. But God, help us to use that freedom to run to you. Help us to use that freedom to become slaves to righteousness. Help us to use that freedom to make the decision, Holy Spirit, to put you in the driver's seat, to say, I'm done doing this Jeremy's way. I'm done doing this man's way. God, you know better. And I am giving it all to you. Holy Spirit, I pray for every single individual in this room right now and every single person watching online that as we make that decision, Holy Spirit, that you would move and you would help us to taste that freedom in Jesus Christ, that true freedom of walking in complete and utter dependence on the Holy Spirit, help us to see that there is nothing better in this world and that that is the only thing, that is the only thing that will even draw us in the next world to come, is you, Jesus, living and abiding every moment of every day for all of eternity with you. Holy Spirit, as we sit here and as we seek you now, I pray that you would move in our hearts. For those on the fence of making this decision, Lord God, I pray that you would, you would pacify every doubt, that you would clear every doubt, every fear, everything that's in the way, that you would just flatten it and make straight the way of the Lord. Move now, Holy Spirit, as we seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Gospel House Podcast. We pray that you were pointed to Jesus and will apply what you learned to look more like him each and every day. If you found today's message impactful, do us a favor and hit the follow button. Leave us a rating and write up a review to help others find our podcast. You can also help us by sharing the podcast so that together we can show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Head to our website, www.thegospel.house slash connect. Fill out the form and someone from our Gospel House family will connect with you. God bless you and remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always enough.